preparations, Advent preparations, getting ready for Christmas. Why do we do the things that we do? Maybe you don't even know. Maybe the answer for you, like many people, is, well, our family has always done this. And so it's her tradition. Uh, I think it can be way more helpful to us if we can ascribe meaningful reasons to why we do what we do. So even if you've never started, maybe that's what I can leave you with. I have a book in my office from Ace Collins called The Stories Behind the Great Traditions of Christmas. And he offers at least a potential, a plausible historic reason for some of the traditions that we do. This one is about the candy cane. It says, there are probably as many legends centered on the candy cane as any other Christmas tradition. Many of the tales that are known today about this familiar hook-shaped peppermint stick are probably as much fable as fact. Nevertheless, in the last 75 years, the symbolism of the candy cane, born of legend and now brought to life by a unique striping design, has made it one of the best teaching tools of the holiday season. Hard candy has been around almost as long as people have been yearning for sweets. For over a thousand years, hard candy has been used to reward children who were good. Yet the multicolored candy that is seen on our store shelves today did not exist until a hundred years ago. Because of the time it took to add additional colors by hand. In the past, hard candy was usually made of a solid color. When children began to receive special treats on St. Nicholas Day in the 4th century, hard candy was probably one of the first things enjoyed. Yet because of the ingredients for this candy were not easy to obtain, and most peasants did not have enough money to purchase these treats often, the sweet was probably a rare delicacy in most households. The rarity and the popularity of the treat means that the first Christian legend associated with the candy cane is probably based on actual events. Church history records that in 1670, the choir master at Germany's Cologne Cathedral was faced with a problem that still challenges parents, teachers, and choir directors today. In ancient Cologne, as well as thousands of churches today, children in the choir often grew restless and noisy during long services. Most authority figures of the time would have handled this situation through punishment, usually with a switch. Yet the choir master, who had seen this tactic used time and again, knew that punitive practice only worked for short periods of time. Soon the painful lesson had been forgotten. The children were again fidgeting and whispering to one another. And so the choir master came up with a sweetly brilliant plan. He sought out a candy maker and after looking over the treats in his shop, the music leader paused in front of some white sweet sticks. He knew that children liked this treat, and better yet, it took them a long time to consume the sticks. So this candy seemed perfect for what he needed, a way to keep the children quiet when they were not singing. Yet the choir master wondered if the priests and parents would allow him to give children in his choir candy to eat during a church service. The congregation and clergy would get upset if the children were not quiet, but they probably would also be offended if the kids were eating candy in the sanctuary. Then the inspiration struck. 
The choir master asked the candy maker if he could bend the sticks and make a crook at the top of each one. When the confectioner assured the director that he could, a plan was hatched. The candy would not be just a treat, it would be a teaching tool. The choir master decided that the candy's pure white color would represent the sinless life of Christ. The crook would serve as a way for the children to remember the story of the shepherds who came to visit the baby Jesus. The shepherds carried staffs or canes, and with the hook at the top of the stick, the candy now looked like a cane. Right before the service, the music leader gathered his flock around him, told them the symbolic story of the white candy's stick. The congregation and the priests were enamored with the choir master's inventive tale and believed the use of biblical truths in the lesson to be indeed inspired. But the ultimate compliment for the choir master came when his choir was so busy enjoying their long-lasting treats that they didn't disturb the Christmas Eve service at all. Thus began the Simple Candy Canes Association with the Christian faith. Within a hundred years, white candy canes were being placed on Christmas trees in Germany. Some may have known the story of the choir master and told his charges in Cologne, but more likely most of those who hung these treats on the tree did so because the hook made it easy to use. The bottom line was that children could not wait for the time to take the tree down, usually on January the 6th, the day of Epiphany, so that they could finally eat the decorations. Another persistent legend surrounding the candy cane is tied to Oliver Cromwell's rule in England, a time when Christmas celebrations were banned by the Puritan leader. It is said that during this short historical period, a dedicated Christian confectioner created a candy cane as a way for Christians to recognize each other on the street. The candy was supposed to be a type of code or signal, like a secret handshake. These canes decorated with three tiny red stripes, which represented the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and another bold, thick red stripe that demonstrated the redemptive power of Christ's blood were given out to those who professed Christ as their savior. Could this legend be true? Possibly. But as the striping would have had to be accomplished by hand and would have taken a long time, it's doubtful that candy makers could have distributed very many of the canes. Thus, the symbolic practice would have been observed in only a small part of England possibly one community or village. Also, though Christmas was officially banned, corporate worship was not, so the need for a symbol of this type would have seemed unnecessary. More than likely, if this legend of the candy maker is true, it probably happened not during Cromwell's reign, but when all religions but the Church of England were officially banned. The candy maker may have been a member of an outlawed Protestant faith or the Catholic Church, and used the cane as a teaching tool. So, though largely unsubstantiated, there probably is some truth in the story, and the legend survives to this day. Europeans have brought the candy cane with them to the United States before the Revolution of 1776. But the treat's identification with Christmas didn't take root until Americans began to celebrate Christmas with presents, trees, and family gatherings two decades before the Civil War. It is said that a German-Swedish immigrant, August 
Imgard was the first in the United States to use candy canes as ornaments. In 1847, he placed them on the fir tree that he had brought into his Worcester, Ohio home for a holiday decoration. The idea quickly caught on. There are many American Christmas illustrations from the second half of the 19th century that show the candy cane as part of the holiday festivities. But in each case, the candy is solid white. By the turn of the century, the candy cane was incredibly popular throughout the year, but it didn't take on its current look until the 1920s. Bob McCormick, who ran a small confectionery in Albany, Georgia, found a way to hand twist colors into the candy canes. Soon the process was being used by others. An Indiana candy maker, whose brother was a priest, knew the old story of the red and white candy canes being used as a way to identify Christians in England. A Christian, the Indiana candy maker, created canes that reflected this legend, as well as his own belief. Each of this man's festive sticks was made with the symbolism of the Trinity and of the redeeming blood and the hook of the shepherd's staff and the white for the purity of Christ. It is even said in this case that the hook was really the upside down letter J, standing for Jesus. So while the spiritual meaning of the original colored candy cane might have well been a legend in England, within the past century, the legendary symbolism has become a reality in the United States and throughout much of the world. There can be little doubt that this hard candy has been associated with the holiday season as long as children have looked forward to, to this holiday. Yet the candy cane that probably first appeared at a church service in the Middle Ages, used then as a tool to both teach and appease children, has become one of the sweetest reminders of the real reason for the Christmas season and one of the few holiday traditions that portrays the meaning of why Jesus was born. Isaiah 53 says this, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Galatians 3 says it this way, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Talking about that white purity. And Isaiah again says in 61, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Whether you decorate for Christmas with candy canes or garland or shiny things, may it remind you of the fact that by his stripes you are healed. That Jesus has adorned you with his righteousness, with his purity. That you're dressed like a fancy bride in white, his purity by his first coming, by his dying for you and rising for you. And we continue to celebrate that by hanging these little ornaments and trinkets, by eating these sweet treats, that we're still waiting for his second coming, the bridegroom for his bride. Merry Christmas.